patience. We're racing down the corridor, that's Harry and I, trying to get to the bell tower to warn Mrs. Dr. Franks about the impending... Oh, look, Harry, this vending machine. They've got wheat crunchies. I haven't had those in years. Do you have 50p? No, you're right, we should carry on. What was I saying, Patience? Oh, yes. Tell them that Fractal Pharmaceuticals is after her and, I don't know, maybe make some kind of truce? You know, running and trying to present a radio show is really quite difficult. Let me cut to an old commercial and I'll see you on the other side. Are you fed up with the rising prices of craft beer, but not racist enough to go to a Weatherspoons? Then why not try Auto Brewery Syndrome from Fractal Pharmaceuticals? Simply follow the diet plan of barley and pure spring water, then insert the yeast suppositories every day for a month. By week five, you'll be producing your own alcohol internally, negating the need for any dangerous trips to the local boozer. Stay at home and scratch your own pork, play with your own slot machine, and pull your own. The course comes in three varieties, internal pale ale, bitter shitter, and insider. It comes with free fries, but if you want sweet potato, that's an extra pound for some reason, even though they're not as good. Be your own pub and stay open as long as you want, unless the government tells you to close an hour early. With Auto Brewery Syndrome from Fractal Pharmaceuticals. Whoo, patience. We've made it to the bell tower door. And there's a letter nailed to it, like it's the Lutheran Reformation. Apologies for the odd reference, but I'm very out of breath. I rarely exercise because, as we all know, it's bad for the voice. Well, just listen to any sports person for an amount of time. The poor things can barely talk with any sense at all. Okay, I'll take it down, and we'll read it together inside while Harry barricades the door. Ah, the old place. I didn't miss your chilling draughts, your endless stairs, or your dusty shelves. But I did miss... your... um... bell? Okay, the note says... Dear DJ Tim, for months I've been listening to your broadcast ramblings. I see that some things you now know and some things you don't. Many things you don't. What you don't know could fill... Well, it goes on with several cavernous analogies, one of which is a your mum joke. I'll skip ahead. 
I, for one, have been able to keep abreast of my pursuers, so thank you for that. And you can thank me for the whole story I'm about to divulge. By the way, if you should ever get your hands on the Book of the Hospital again, I think this would make a fitting additional chapter, so maybe hold on to it. For some time, the generation-transcending establishment now known as Fractal Pharmaceuticals have been pursuing me for a very particular piece of knowledge I hold, and that is the secret to my eternal... well, I cannot say youth, but life. That it was a fountain is well recorded, but its location remains with me only. As you can imagine, a company like theirs getting hold of such a thing would be disastrous. Who knows what they'd use it for? I mostly favoured light pranks and annoyances, but I somehow feel that mild amusement is not their end goal. Lacking my own death prospects, I always felt comforted being surrounded by it in what is surely the worst hospital in the world. Well, that's unfair, Patience. Oh, I suppose she just means by rate of survival, I see. I have, alas, lost the old records in the book of the hospital. Nobody has seen it since you last had your hands on it and ended up in another reality. For this I do blame you entirely, but I also see no deviousness in you, for that you are too simple. Yes, there are some more metaphors for that here, Patience, but I'm glossing. And so I finally am ready to confide in you. I am leaving to see that the fountain is well protected, but that there's more you should know as I leave you behind. I didn't just want an unending life, but the restoration of it too, and so that has informed my experiments of the last 250 years. For the results of my latest effort, you should go to the top of the tower once you have finished reading this letter, and see the honours I have bestowed upon the patient you left here for me. Patience, these are some bold claims. I feel we all deserve some respite before I continue. I do have some staff announcements in my pocket that I have yet to deliver. It doesn't seem like there will ever be a good time for them, so how about right now? Staff announcement. This is a staff announcement. Dr. Kim, in A&E, would like to remind everyone that gurney racing is not allowed if you are using additional rocket propellants. The rules of gurney racing are clearly printed and displayed next to the staff schedule, along with the league table for syringe darts. Surgeon Mac McKenzie, we just call him Mac, has invited everyone to the theatre this afternoon to witness his latest operation. Mac will be removing an appendix while blindfolded, removing knee cartilage underwater in a shark-filled tank, and performing a skin graft while motorcycling through a flaming death loop. Tickets are available from reception, and the support act is Dr. Bollyox playing medical drama theme tunes on the theremin.
Lunch Lady Lavinia will be introducing a brunch service starting next week. The menu includes bagels and Bloody Marys. Under the new vampire-free guidelines, the Bloody Marys will no longer contain actual blood or Mary. Instead, it contains tomato juice, vodka, and leftover casserole. Teetotalers have the option of a Bloody Virgin, sacrificed in their honour, while harder drinkers may double up for one pound with the Bloody Nora. Patience, let us continue with the Mrs. Doctor's letter. More than once I have performed a successful head transplant, among other parts, and brought life back to those in the veil. For this reason I am sought by head of staff in a jar, Jean, who perhaps feels no allegiance to the fractal pharmacy, but instead seeks her own restoration. If only she'd asked, I might have helped, but for years she only tried to chase me away from this home, that is, until she found a use for me. So in a jar her head will remain. What a pickle! Ha ha, ha ha ha, ha ha, it goes on for almost half a page of Ha's patience. Perhaps the most notorious transplant I performed is not that chronicled by the dear Shelley girl, but our poor Minotaur. The labyrinth creator Daedalus was ever in favour of running and hiding, only compounding the problem in my opinion. For an inventor, he was too, too cautious. I had proposed the transplant since Asterion's boyhood, but the queen thought the labyrinth best, until Theseus and his supposed slaying, of course. But that was nonsense. Theseus barely made it past the first corridor. He got scared off by a goat. A simple three-headed goat that spat acid, mind, but still a goat. The blood he was covered in was nothing more than his mid-morning bloody Nora. Anyway, all of this is filler detail. The day when Daedalus changed his mind and allowed me to operate on the now young man and replace his old bullhead with a human's was following the fall of his son, a literal mighty fall. Icarus was his name, and he'd just been given a pair of waxen wings for his birthday. They provided some uplift, but obviously could not flap and soar very high, being made of wax and not something sensible like feathers or aerospace-grade aluminium. They were designed as a decorative addition to the traditional bull-jumping festivities, which has become the satirical tradition since the Queen's shall we say, dalliances. Alas, Icarus did not inherit the mind of his father and climbed to the top of this very same bell tower before launching himself at the sun. He didn't fly. He didn't quite plummet either, but it was still an uncontrolled and damaging fall. His head was split upon the ground and he was white as my ass which was born albino. When Daedalus brought him to me to be repaired. Of course, I was going to help and operate, but I could also strike a deal, 
And so I was given permission to not only heal the young Icarus, but restore the young Asterion to full humanity too. Both operations were a triumph. And in return, Daedalus showed me how to navigate the Labyrinthian Hospital, so that I might always keep my secrets from the hands of those who would misuse them. Of course, as with many brain surgeries, there was some memory loss. One retained his ability to naturally navigate the hospital labyrinth where so many others failed. The other had only a sense of belonging to the hospital, an adventurous yet simple-minded approach to danger, and a pair of crushed waxen wings sitting in the filing cabinet of his radio studio. Whether you stay or leave, I leave you this charge. I have revived the patient you left behind. He was brain-dead, of course, but I've done some moving around of parts. You should be able to empathise, I think, Harry. I cannot take him where I'm going, so I feel it is your duty to make sure he doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Good luck and take care, or I'll see you soon. Well, Patience, that's quite the story. Harry, maybe we should just go to the top and the tower and see. Again, Patience, my, um, my heavy breathing is reserved only for special broadcasts, so I'll see you after this track. It's by a local band called Plastopunks, with Demon's Punk in my ear. Patience, my uh, babbling broadcast is about to come crashing down like its towering namesake. We're trapped at the top, with our new charge, the unknown patient who is, uh, well, somewhat mobile. He seems confused and grey and lurchy. Harry is trying to keep him upright while I cling to the bell tower's clangor. Not the pink moon dwellers, you know what I mean. The tower is swaying and cracking and crumbling. We can hear battering rams below. Our dear benefactors have come to claim their property. Well, how does one sign off in a final situation like this? Perhaps with a classic boffo limerick. There once was a god called Janus, whose two-faced ways were famous. He ate twice as much food as a normal man could, but still passed it all through one... Yeah!